0: On today's episode, the Chicago Blackhawks have finally announced a date for when Marion Hossa's number 81 sweater will be hung up in the UC rafters. I'll provide all the important details on that. And then I'll also get into a recap of day one at the 2022 Tom Curver's Prospects Showcase. And then to wrap things up, I will unveil who comes in at number four on my Blackhawks top 10 prospects list. All that and plenty more right here. I'm Locked On Blackhawks. You're Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Wednesday, September 14th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman 2 or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please be sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast. Make sure to also go and rate the show with five stars. And if you're a consistent listener of the show, a long time listener, and you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, and you like what you're hearing on a day to day basis, please make sure to go and let me know in the review section. And the best part about it all is that it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast. And if you go and follow right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day. And if you're not already, tuned into the video version of today's episode, then you got to be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube because, folks, every episode moving forward is going to have a video uploaded to YouTube. So if you haven't done so yet, please go and help the boy out. Go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I would really appreciate all the support that I could get. Also, be sure to smash the like button on this video as well and comment as to what was your favorite Marion hosts a moment of all time. And last, go and ring the bell, turn on those push notifications. And that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, enough of that. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your first listen here to start off your day. And let me tell you, folks, It really is starting to feel like hockey season is back because earlier this morning, your boy was down at Fifth Third Arena in Chicago as day one of the 2022 Tom Curver's prospect showcase got underway. A lot of the Blackhawks' top young talent was on the ice at Fifth Third Arena for a little bit of a practice session, about an hour, hour and a half um, session there on the ice. And uh, it was good to see a lot of the youngsters for the first time in a couple of months. Although, uh, as I'll get into later in the show, there are several of the top prospects that are not attending this showcase here in Chicago, unfortunately. So we're missing out on another look at those players. But nonetheless, it is still always awesome to kind of become a little bit more familiar with some players that could be future key pieces here in the Chicago Blackhawks organization, and there were certainly a lot of names added to that pool after how active the Blackhawks were in the 2022 NHL draft, so another good opportunity to get a look at some of these players. It was also really fun to run into some of the Blackhawks beat writers today, and all the people who work uh, in Blackhawks media Talk with Mario Tirabassi from CHGO Blackhawks for a while saw Ben Pope, Mark Lazarus, Scott Powers were all there, Kobe Cohen. Uh, all of the Blackhawks media were on tap for the first day of the Tom Curvers prospect showcase. So yes, it really does feel like hockey season is around the corner. And while the Blackhawks this season on the ice are not expected to do a whole lot, um, the prospects are really going to be, I think, the most enticing part, Keep keeping up with all of them and seeing how they're doing for either their respective junior clubs or their college programs and whatnot, and seeing what kind of steps these young players are taking because they're really the name of the game for this organization right now. It's going to be a process, uh, and the only way to kind of get back to where the Blackhawks want to be is to get as many draft picks as possible and hope that uh, the players they take with said draft picks wind up uh, turning out, (laughs) excuse me, Wind we'll up panning out down the road and turning into an important piece of the puzzle here in Chicago. But yes, folks, it feels like hockey season is right on the horizon. Blackhawks training camp should be opening up at some point next week. But what I actually wanted to open up the show with today before I get into some of the stuff from the Tom Curvers prospect showcase was that the Chicago Blackhawks finally announced when they will be retiring Marion Hose's number 81 sweater up in the UC rafters. That's the big talk, the big Blackhawks news that came out today. And we know now that Marion Hossa's sweater will go up in the rafters on Sunday, November 20th against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And of course, Marian Hossa had a short stint with Pittsburgh, but uh, one that was a memorable step in his career, if you know how it all went, uh, from going to Detroit in 2008 and falling short to uh, or what was it? No, it was I have I have it the other way around. He was with uh with the Penguins in. Am I right on that? Yes, I am. He was with the Penguins in 2008. They come up short, losing to the Red Wings. He goes and joins the Red Wings for the 2009 season. They end up losing to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley Cup final. Finally, Hosa gets his Stanley Cup ring with the Blackhawks there in 2010. But uh, even though it was just one season for Hosa in Pittsburgh, uh, I was reading actually something that Scott Powers wrote on Twitter about uh, his book that's coming out on Marion Hosa sometime here in the not-too-distant future, and he referenced how close Marion Hosa and Sidney Crosby were in just that one season together. So Um, it's cool that Hossa gets to have his jersey retired against one of his former teams. And also, I think electing for it to come against the Pittsburgh Penguins was a very smart decision because while Hossa also did play for the Detroit Red Wings and also the Ottawa Senators was uh, his longest tenure with another team, not the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, For the Red Wings, when the Blackhawks play them, that's going to be their home opener. So that's really going to be the attention getter. And then also whenever the Blackhawks host the Ottawa Senators, a lot of the buzz is going to be about Alex DeBrincki coming back to Chicago. So I think it was smart by the Blackhawks brass to have this ceremony come on a a night where HOSA will be the center stage. They won't be talking about Alex DeBrincki returning home or, uh, you know, the Blackhawks season opener against the longtime rival Red Wings. I think it was really well done by the Blackhawks organization to kind of wait a little bit longer and make sure that Marian Hossa gets the proper celebration and proper attention that he deserves for all he did as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. And while we're on the topic, folks, I thought a fun little segment before I uh, segue into our next topic of conversation would be uh, bringing up my top three Marian Hossa moments of all time, and I really thought about this. I might not some of my moments may not be the ones that stick out to your stick out in your mind or some of the other listeners minds. Um but that's why I asked in the opener. I wanted you all to let me know in the comment section below what is your favorite, just one, not three. What is your one favorite Marian Hossa moment of all time? But just for uh just for kicks, I'm going to give out my top 3 here real quick in no order whatsoever. Um Probably number one, though, if I'm being honest, and probably going to be number one in a lot of folks' minds, was the Game 5 goal against the Nashville Predators in the opening round of the 2010 Stanley Cup playoffs. The Blackhawks, Marion Hossa takes a, a pretty poor penalty late in the game. The Blackhawks are down a goal, looking like they're on the cusp of falling behind 3-2 to in that series against the Preds. Patrick Kane scores the game-tying goal while the Hawks were shorthanded. They did have their goalie pulled to make it 5-on-5, five five, but still, Kaner was able to tie the game up with a goal in front and then in overtime just seconds after Marion Hosa jumped out of the penalty box. Boland skips it back to Brent Sopel. Sopel goes to t one up. It gets deflected on the way to the net and bounces right into Marion Hosa's lap with a yawning cage for the game-winning goal. have a feeling that's the one that's going to stick out to a lot of fans. Um, a close second though, I will say, to that was Marion Josa's debut against the San, Ho- San Jose Sharks. If you all remember correctly, Marion Josa didn't play right away in the 2009-2010 season due to an injury, but when he returned for the Blackhawks, I think it was in November sometime right around Thanksgiving, but he came back against the San Jose Sharks, and that's actually when the Blackhawks had the hat trick of shorties, as Pat Foley called it in the booth. Three shorthanded goals for the Blackhawks, and I think they all came in the first period. One of those was via a Marion Hosa breakaway. He also scored another goal in that game. And I, I was jazzed up enough when the Blackhawks first signed Hosa to that deal. I knew how good of a player he was with Detroit and with Pittsburgh the year before that. And early on in his career with Ottawa and the numbers he put up with the Atlanta Thrashers as well. I was super stoked about Marion Hosta joining this team. But after that first performance against the San Jose Sharks that day, I really believed he was just a special talent and was someone who was really gonna put the Blackhawks over uh over that mountain and, you know, kind of be the difference maker that they needed, a good veteran leader, a great player in all three zones. Just kind of that glue piece that kind of solidified the Blackhawks, even though they really still had a young roster at that time it solidified them as true Stanley Cup contenders. So that was definitely one of my favorite Marion Hosa moments of all time as well. The other one that stands out to me personally was his out-of-mid-air goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was early on in his Blackhawks tenure as well. I think it, it was his first year in Chicago, actually. Maybe his second, can't remember correctly. But yeah, Big Hoss catches the puck out of midair doesn't even wait for it to hit the ice, just bats it out of midair and goes top shelf blocker high. Forget who the goalie was for the Tampa Bay Lightning, but there wasn't anything he could have done. It was just an absolutely perfect play from Marion Hossa. And while you know a lot of people will remember him for his tenacity on the forecheck and being an elite 200-foot player, um, his offensive abilities when he wanted to kind of take over in that department, he was always capable. And just another reminder, in his last year, before unfortunately having to retire, Marion Hosa potted 27 goals. Like Even at the end, he still had a lot to give offensively, and that probably wasn't the focal point of his career anymore. So, yeah, really just an incredible player. I'm honestly so blessed that I got to see Marion Hosa as a member of the Blackhawks and the way that he would just dominate games on that top line with Jonathan Taves. I mean, they could really do it all back in that day. So, yeah, super stoked about Marion Hosa. finally. Getting his sweater retired uh, later on in the fall when the Blackhawks take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, that's Sunday, November 20th at the United Center. All right, that takes care of all the information on Marion Hosa's jersey retirement. Coming up in just a moment, I will also get into a full recap of day one at the 2022 Tom Curvers Prospect Showcase. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts on whatever game you want to place a wager on. BetOnline is also your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and game scores. It's both the fastest and The easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. So head on over to the website today, or you can also use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, folks, back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Moving on into segment two, as I already talked about for a little bit earlier on in the episode earlier this morning was day one of the 2022 Tom Curver's prospect showcase that will be held between the Chicago Blackhawks and Minnesota wild at fifth third arena down in the city. Uh, The scheduling today was just a practice for both teams. The same will be said for tomorrow. And then on Friday night, 7 PM central time, the Blackhawks prospects and the Wild prospects will face off against each other in a scrimmage. Saturday will also be just another practice in the middle of the afternoon. I believe it's 12 to 2 once again, if I'm correct, maybe 10 to 12. Not 100% positive, but there will be two scrimmages held between the Blackhawks and Wild, one 7 p.m. Central Time on Friday, the other coming at 1 p.m. Central Time on Sunday. But I've been super excited for this prospect showcase ever since they really announced it. We got wind of it first back in May that it was going to be taking place sometime prior to training camp. And then just a few weeks ago, we got the full schedule. And just to reiterate again, folks, it's free and available to the public. Uh, It's really fun and neat to see a lot of young Blackhawks prospects again, that'll hopefully be part of the turnaround here for this organization in a few years. Getting familiar with them, I think, and keeping up with them throughout the course of this season is. Probably going to be the highlight of the Chicago Blackhawks year. But yeah, hockey season, folks, it is right around the corner. Uh, We don't have an official date for Blackhawks training camp yet, but it already feels like the season is closing in since uh, the Hawks are involved in the Tom Curvers Prospect Showcase this year once again. But all in all, for day one, uh, I'm not going to have any overreactions or anything. Just basic drills little bit of two-on-one action, puck retrieval, all that good jazz. Uh, just one day, it's hard to kind of accurately gauge where everyone is at or kind of depict anyone solely based on just one day here. But there were a couple of things that I wanted to reference. Uh, first, in terms of the roster, which I broke down yesterday, uh, as we already kind of knew, no college players We're going to be attending this event for the Blackhawks, so no Frank the Tank, no Landon Slager, no Ryder Rolston, Dominic James, Wyatt Kaiser, Drew Camesso, Ryan Green, etc., etc., etc. All those college players are not going to be in attendance for the showcase or for training camp next week because they're already participating in their own college programs training camp. So that's a little bit unfortunate, um, but not you know, not a surprise. We didn't kind of expect that as of yesterday. But the one thing I was a little bit surprised about was Lucas Reichel attending this, this showcase here because he was not at Prospect Development Camp uh, a month ago or whenever that took place. And I really figured that if you weren't at Prospect Development Camp, you probably weren't going to be taking part in the showcase. But I guess for whatever reason, they decided to to bring Lucas Reichel around uh, Alex Vlasic is also taking part as well. He was at development camp and was kind of clearly the superior player there, in my opinion, and just more physically mature and a little bit further along in the development process. than a lot of other guys were, uh, kind of felt the same thing about Vlasic today. He was just making swifter decisions and had a little bit more patient with the puck on his stick. I'm, I'm really excited for the year that Alex Vlasic is going to have folks. Um, but I was a little surprised to see, you know, that if you're going to have Vlasic there. Why why not have Alec Regula? Like I don't know. It was just a little bit weird who the Blackhawks decided to pick and choose. Also, Arvid Soderblom isn't there. I don't know if he's already in North America from his off season or if he's back in Sweden. But no Arvid Soderblom. No Alec Regula. No Ian Mitchell. Um, Regula and Mitchell both weren't at development camp, so that's not too crazy. But if Lucas Reichel's there, I don't know. It was just a little bit interesting to see that uh, the Blackhawks kind of picked and choose their prospects a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was a good day. Good first day, I would say. Uh, we'll be able to tell more, obviously, as the week progresses. But some some things that stood out to me, first, Kevin Korczynski's skating is just so evident, the way that he's able to glide, seemingly without effort, up and down the ice. And even when it looks like he's a little bit, if it feels like sometimes he'll get caught in a pinch, where. He's a little bit too far towards the blue line, and maybe isn't going to be able to get back on defense. But his skating ability allows for him to recuperate in such a fast manner that uh, I really think that's going to be a huge asset for him defensively, where he can kind of get aggressive and jump in on a rush when the puck when when his team's skating the puck through the neutral zone and trying to create something offensively. But he has the wheels to turn around and go and help his other D partner back on the other end. So that really stood out to me about Korchinski today. Uh, Colton Dock was someone who, I don't know if really his game stood out or anything, but it it was clear to me that he was trying to shoot the puck every time it it was on his stick. And I think that that tells me that Dock realizes that's probably going to be his greatest asset moving forward. Whenever I break down Colton Dock, My biggest concern is whether or not he's going to have the skating and playmaking ability combination to be a consistent point producer at the NHL level. Like Kirby, he's got some good size to him. The offensive game is good, not great, but I don't know if he's ever going to be a stud playmaker at the NHL level because he's not the greatest skater for his size. And he also isn't probably a true playmaker. I think he is a true sniper and that to me has always been his biggest asset, has been that shot of his, whether it was watching him at training camp last year or development camp this this summer or just watching him here on day one. It's clear that he knows that he he trusts his shot, and I'm sure he's aware that um, that's probably what's going to be the most enticing to his game moving forward, so just I think that's just game recognition by Colton or also just Pure aggressiveness, feeling like whenever the puck's on his stick, he has a chance to score a goal. Um, but that shot of his, I think, is really going to always be the talking point about Colton Dock. And if he is a good enough shooter and a good enough goal scorer, I think that's going to be able to carry him over into the NHL. But I do have some concerns overall about both his skating and his playmaking ability, like I referenced. Uh, some other guys who stood out to me, I thought Paul Ludwinski had a couple of good moves. Samuel Savoy, folks. I really think all you Blackhawks fans are going to love this kid because every time I watch him, I like him more and more and more. And I was having this conversation with someone today at camp, but in terms of offense, like whatever Savoy gives us, like I'll take, like, I don't expect him ever to be an offensive dynamo or that to be his, the strength of his game or anything, but it's just so clear that he has this tenacity in this, Eagerness to get under the skin of his opponents, like at development camp a month ago he was checking his teammates and having a smile on his face and nearly getting in fights like that's just the type of player Sammy Savoy is, and he scored actually a beautiful goal today, and it was funny watching him look up at some of the folks that were uh on on hand at fifth third arena and just a big sticking his tongue out like he's just a textbook goon, and that's why the offense to me is like I mean. Sure, if he can chip in, I'd absolutely love that. But the way he plays the game, if he can keep up skating wise, all 32 teams in the NHL are going to want that. Like just, just the sheer will to be an agitator and be a thorn in the side of his opponents and lay a hit on every single shift and just be a pain in the ass. Quite frankly, like that part intrigues me so much about Sammy Savoy, and I think you know that ability without the puck on his stick. That's always going to be something that scouts or coaching staffs are going to be aware of and something that, you know, could put him over the edge and and could get him into the NHL one day if things continue to progress well. So, yeah, he was someone that that stood out to me today as well. Uh, Isaac Phillips, another big boy who was throwing his weight around out there, not afraid to use his size whatsoever, and he's someone that could be trying to make the Blackhawks opening night roster now that Jake McCabe is expected to miss the start of the regular season. Um, Phillips, man, I would not rule him out whatsoever. Got some NHL action early on last year, maybe a bit too early, but uh I wouldn't count him out from making the Black Hawks lineup right out of training camp. Uh Ethan Del Mastro was another big boy who I liked what I saw, just being physical and knowing that his game is gonna be defensive-minded. Uh, he he was someone who I, I thought did a good job of kind of recognizing what he needed to do in certain spots. And when it called for him to put his body into uh, another Blackhawks prospect even when uh, it comes down to trying to separate the puck. He did so basically each and every occasion. So I really like the physicality from Ethan Del Mastro, but again, it's only one day. I'm not going to put too much weight into anything I saw from any of these prospects. It's more a cumulative thing throughout the course of the week, but yeah, I'm definitely excited to see how the week goes and also for the first scrimmage on Friday night when the Blackhawks take on the Minnesota Wilds prospects such as Marco Rossi, Carson Lambos. We're going to see Jesper Wallstead and that. So it should be a, a fun scrimmage and also a good kind of test for where this Blackhawks prospect, prospect group is at and what they can do against uh, one of the best prospect groups in the entire NHL right, right now that the Minnesota Wild have. All right, folks, I think that is going to take care of everything I wanted to mention from day one of the 2022 Tom Curvers Prospect Showcase. Coming up in just a minute, I still have to unveil who comes in at number four on my Blackhawks top 10 prospects list. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now, before I wrap things up on the show this afternoon, it's time to find out which player comes in at number four on my Blackhawk summer 2022 top 10 prospects list. But first, again, real quick, just as a reminder, if you haven't found out who came in at numbers five through 10 yet, you definitely got to be sure to go and get all caught up before watching this segment. It only makes sense. You're not skipping around in the order, seeing who comes in at nine, six, four. No, that makes literally no sense. You want to be all caught up. And I made it really easy for all of you to do so. You just got to go click on Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Go and click on the channel down below if you're already watching the video version. Go and click on playlists on my channel. There will be a top 10 prospects playlist and you can go and click on every video in there to get all caught up. And I made it even easier for you because in the description of each video, I already have everything time coded so you don't need to waste time by scrolling through and trying to find the right starting spot on each video. No, you can just go and look in the description and you'll know exactly where you need to jump to on each video in order to get all caught up. So make sure to go and do that, folks. Again, it really only makes sense. And while you're there, help the boy out. Please be sure to go and smash that subscribe button. I really appreciate all the support that I can get, folks. Thank you very much. All right, getting into the good stuff. Coming in now at number four on my Blackhawks summer 2022 top 10 prospects list is none other than 23-year-old defenseman Ian Mitchell, who was a second round pick for the Blackhawks way back in the 2017 NHL draft and has kind of been hanging around, I would say, the top of most folks' prospects list the past handful of seasons and Everyone's just kind of been waiting for Ian Mitchell to step on the scene and be the difference maker we all thought he was going to be when the Blackhawks first drafted him and throughout his time with the Denver Pioneers. A lot of people were really on the Ian Mitchell hype train. And in fact, I remember some folks had him above Lucas Reichel in the Blackhawks prospect rankings. I remember people back in the day had him over Kirby Dock. That's how excited folks were about Ian Mitchell. And of course, once he left the University of Denver, uh he stepped onto the scene immediately at the NHL level which former GM Stan Bowman loved to do with a lot of the Blackhawks top prospects and wound up playing in 39 NHL games for the Blackhawks back in the COVID shortened 2021 season and looking back on that it was just a flat out mistake like Ian Mitchell was not ready to play NHL hockey immediately out of college especially at his size and with defense, the defensive side of things not really being the strength of his game. It was just a foolish decision all in all to bring Ian Mitchell right up to the NHL level. And yeah, looking back on it uh, was definitely not the right move whatsoever. And it was nice to see the Blackhawks even before Jeremy Calliton got fired. Um, and even before Kyle Davidson was at the helm, Ian Mitchell it was pretty clear that he was going to play a majority of this year down with the Rockford Ice Hogs. And that's what should have happened in the first place. There was just no need to rush him along onto the scene. But, you know, that's kind of what Stan Bowman did with a lot of the Blackhawks' so-called top prospects at that point. It was a common theme for a lot of guys. So that's, you know, what kind of led to the Blackhawks being in the position they, they find themselves in right now. But anyways, Ian Mitchell responded with a really strong year last year with the Rockford Ice Hawks. He still did appear in eight NHL games for the Blackhawks, but it was clear, especially when Kyle Davidson came in that, whoa, 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 let's hold our horses here. There's no rush. We're thinking long-term with everything. And it's very refreshing, and I'm sure for Ian Mitchell, it probably felt like there was some weight off his shoulders when he heard that because the buzz surrounding this kid coming out of college was that, oh, he's going to be ready to step into a top four role immediately, go on the power play, be a good puck mover, make a difference as a 21-year-old right out of college. And that just didn't happen. And I'm sure Mitchell probably felt like he was a bit disappointing too, that he wasn't kind of living up to the expectations and that his first year wasn't as successful as it was. And, you know, he, he probably was down in Rockford trying to do everything in order to get back up to the NHL as fast as possible. But now that there's this patient approach in play, I really think it does benefit a guy like Mitchell knowing that, hey, I just got to keep doing the right things, keep rounding out my game, get better and better and better with each night. And then eventually, things will come. I'm going to get my opportunity once again, if I continue to just put my head down and work and try to get better and better and better. And that's really what we saw out of him with the Rockford IceHogs this season. Mitchell wound up playing in 57 games at the AHL level. The majority of that came in a top pairing role, which I think was great experience for him playing in all facets of the game, power play, penalty kill, You know, kind of understanding the concepts and what needs to be done in order to have success at the professional level in those situations. I really think that was the smartest thing to have, smartest thing the Blackhawks could have done with Ian Mitchell. And he responded really well offensively and defensively. In terms of offensive numbers, though, in 57 games, Mitchell racked up 35 points with 11 goals and 24 assists. So the goal scoring was something that really took a tick up this year. I know we don't have anything to compare that on, but even back, going back to his days in Denver, he wasn't the most elite goal scorer or anything. So to see him pot 11 goals in 57 games for the Ice Dogs this year tells you what this kid can do offensively and that he is definitely putting some work on his shot. Um, and then defensively, too, we played a lot of the year up with Isaac Phillips. They were kind of the top pairing for the most of the season for Rockford. And Mitchell was sturdy, man. And I just think the biggest thing for Ian Mitchell and for Blackhawks fans when talking about him is you have to realize that defensemen mature differently. Each and every one, honestly. Some take a lot longer than others. Some are ready to step into the NHL right away, but they're all different. And I think for Ian Mitchell, being a smaller defenseman, and again, something I already talked about with defense not really being the strength of his game, um, not saying that it was a glaring weakness or anything, but he was more so known as being a good puck mover, good skater, good transition guy, could run a power play, had some offensive potential. Um, I, I think it was just a very it was just a leap that never should have happened. He never should have gone to the NHL right away. And he just wasn't ready based on the skill set that he had. Now, someone who was like Alex Vlasic per se, he's six foot six. He has a bigger frame right away, and kind of that size, I think, can help you out in the defensive zone and can help you get away with some of the mistakes a little bit more, especially when you're coming up as a defensive defense. Ian Mitchell wasn't in that situation; he was a smaller defenseman. Defense wasn't his strength, and he was asked to kind of sink or swim in the NHL right away. And because he didn't didn't swim immediately, I don't want Blackhawks fans to kind of rule him out because some defensemen. They just take a little bit longer. And look, even if Ian Mitchell has to play another basically full season down with the Ice Hogs, I don't think that's worst case scenario because the Blackhawks, they have some time to kill here. They can afford to be patient and make sure they get things right. So while Ian Mitchell has failed to, you know, kind of solidify himself as an NHL talent thus far in his career, that doesn't hinder my opinion on him whatsoever, because honestly, what he was able to do in Rockford this year, and I know. People would have liked him to be up with the Blackhawks, but what he was able to accomplish with Rockford as a top pairing defenseman all year long, it really gave me hope that Ian Mitchell is going to be able to figure it out. Now, I will admit, this is probably a make or break season for him. I, I'm just going to say it. But even if he does spend a lot of time down in Rockford, if he's having success there, then I, I think there is still hope that he's going to be part of the decor for the Blackhawks moving forward. Um, so, yeah, just. My thing with Mitchell is he is a little bit older and the time is ticking, but I still believe he has it in him. I believe Ian Mitchell has the game that can translate well if he's able to become sturdier in his own zone. If he can tighten up the hatchet and not have any worries defensively, I think he is a good enough skater. He's going to figure out how things work in the offensive zone as he gains more and more experience. We already saw it last year with the Ice Hogs. I think Ian Mitchell still has a really high skill set. And I think his ceiling is higher than any defenseman prospect the Blackhawks have right now, other than one guy who you all know who that is. He's going to be a little bit higher up in the rankings, but I put Mitchell over guys like Vlasic and Wyatt Kaiser and Alec Regula, because I believe he has the highest ceiling among all of them. And I really do believe he is going to be able to figure it out. I think some people are kind of inadequately writing him off a little bit too early after it hasn't been pretty for him at the NHL so far in his first two professional seasons. But that's just the way it goes with some defensemen, man. Not everyone's ready to go right out of college. Everyone is different. And for Ian Mitchell, considering his game and his size and all that, I don't think it should be too surprising that he needed some time to kind of tune all of it up down with the Rockford Icehogs. So. I'm still really high on Ian Mitchell, folks. I hope all of you are not writing him off because I feel like he can still be a second to third pairing guy for the Blackhawks one day down the road. Someone who can chip in on the power play, have a good offensive mind and can just have a good well-rounded game. So that's why I have Ian Mitchell coming in at number four on my Blackhawks summer 2022 top 10 prospects list. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Wednesday. September 14th episode of Locked Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow Locked Blackhawks right now, wherever you get your podcasts and go and subscribe to Locked Blackhawks on YouTube and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Locked NHL podcast for all the latest news and updates throughout the NHL offseason. The start of the year is not far away, folks, so make sure to get all caught up on everything that's gone down across the NHL on Lockdown NHL, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman 2 or you could also go and check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show or to the Blackhawks, feel free to email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com, all one word lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. Or you could also hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.